It is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, how are things? Very well. Today I thought we'd talk about the dolphin succulent. We didn't get around to it last week. Yep. Uh, a new diplodenia called citrine. It's a beautiful colour. And myoporum, which is a lovely ground cover. Right, myoporum. Myoporum, yes. And we've got Jennifer from Tea Gardens, and she's got a question about ground cover. Hello, Jennifer. How can we help you today? Hi, Scott. I heard you talk about myoporum. Was it a yes. ground cover? Yes. We have a um, a west, very west face, facing garden, which we'd like to put a ground cover in around our plants. Would it? Would that one be suitable, or could you suggest a suitable one, please? Yeah. Look, absolutely. It would be a fantastic ground cover for you. The the reason I, I like it is it's a little native and it grows very very quickly. And the, the colour of the actual leaves is this really striking uh, lime green. Uh, and then it gets white flowers on it as well. But it does, it, it spreads out like this very, very thick carpet. It will grow in the absolute full sun for you. I've even seen it trailing down over, you know, rock walls and, uh, you know, concrete walls and things. So it, uh, it is a very tough little plant to, uh, to have as a ground cover. Oh, look, oh, some, o- some other alternatives. Well, I like you- that colour. The colour the would be nice too, the colour... Different coloured leaves. I like different shades of, of uh, greenery. Yeah, look, absolutely. You can also get it with a, a purple uh, tinge to the leaf as well, and you can get a finer leaf version of it. But I think just the plain sort of limey green one is the is the standout of, of all those myoporum. Uh, look, there are some other alternatives as well. Uh, I like natives. Uh, there's gaudy chordy, royal mantle. They're sort of grevillea type ground covers, but they do spread out over the ground like a, a, a big fan. And uh, they get this really beautiful uh, the red grevillea flowers on them as well. So you get bees coming into those and uh, just generally keeps your garden healthy. Okay, would, would those plants be available now? Oh, yes, absolutely. So uh, if you go to your local garden centre, uh, ask for Myoporum, Royal Mantle, uh, Gaudy Chordy, it's, it's a version of that. And uh, they should certainly be available all year round. When does it flower, Scott? Uh, look, th- those plants flower mostly in the spring and summer. You will get, get some spot flowering at this time of year, but uh, the natives like that, generally they will flower in the spring and summer months. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, That's not great. a problem. Good luck with it. It will do really well in a west-facing garden in the heat. Thank you very much, Scott. Okay, Bye. thanks, Jennifer. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Jennifer. We've got Yvonne now from Adamstown Heights. She's got to need some advice about composting. Composting. Yvonne, how can we help you? Well, I've never really got into doing it, if you can understand that. Yes. And I had one, you know, the council gave us these big black bins at one stage. Yeah, I remember so that. So just yeah. always throw me vegetable scraps in it, and I just think, you know, it's going to work. Yeah. But, <laughs> but because I've always been still doing it, and then I said to my husband, I think you've got to turn that over or something. So when he went to dig in, you know, like it's really hard, and I said, oh, maybe we should be putting some water in it or something like that. But I thought, I'll ring you up, and I might have to tip it all out and start again. It's not that it's up very high or anything, but I just feel we've got that bin down there. We should be making it of use, yes, you abs- know, to get the mulch. Absolutely. Look, one of the things you have to do to help break it down is uh, you can add a little bit of lime in there. Uh, I've oh. also heard of people just adding in some cow manure or some poultry manure. Uh-huh. And there's actually the the bacteria in that actually helps it spreads and helps everything else break down. So is that all I got to do? Yeah, that's that's all you really have to do, and just turn and, then and turn just it. Sort of, if I got to sort of uh, put the fork in it and dig it over at all? Yeah, so you you will need to turn it over every now and again just to try and uh, you know aerate it and, and get that uh, bacteria spreading around through the uh, the compost. Yeah, because it's 
hard at the moment, but it will eventually, you think, break down anyway if I do that. Yes, absolutely. And look, if you want to upgrade, there are other different, uh, you know, compost bins you can get. I remember those council ones from back in the day. Yes, I've had it a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just haven't been into it, you know what I mean? You, yeah. you get these things and then you think to... But I do show me scraps down there and I think, well, they can go down in there instead of in the garbage. And I haven't had any problem with anything, you know, like it just doesn't snow or anything yep. like that. So, uh, and I don't get any vermin or anything in it. So, like, because we put up a couple of bricks underneath it at the time and it's off the ground a bit. So, but we've just not done anything. Yeah, look, I, and I, I think from memory, uh, citrus peel and uh, onions don't break down very well. I haven't put that sort of thing in. No, I, no. I must have been told not to use that at some stage of my life. <laughs> But look, if, any, if anyone else is listening and can help us out with, uh, you know, things you can compost most successfully or, you know, anything yeah. to help it along, that would be fantastic if they'd call yeah. in. because I said oh, maybe I should be getting the worms and throwing in them in to get uh, to look, go. And I, I don't think that hurts as well. But again, if anyone has got any tips for us, we'd, we'd love it today. That's for what composting. I need to know, you know. Like everyone might be like me is starting to think we've got to use the mulch on the garden, you know, because of the dry weather. So that's what's making me get into this now. <laughs> Okay, okay. Thanks, Scott. Well, thanks for the call, Thank Yvonne. You. you have a nice afternoon. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. I was nearly composting made easy then. It was. It was, yeah. Look, hopefully someone's got some extra tips as well for it because I know it is a bit of a science. They've got ones mm. that revolve around, uh, ones that let air up through the middle. Uh, so, you know, there must be additives and things you can put in there as well. So I think yeah. there's courses you can do, composting courses. It wouldn't surprise me. I, I'm sure TAFE would have something like I'm that. I'm sure going. someone's yes. worked that angle somehow. <laughs> Now, Scott, you meant to say this last week about the dolphin plants, but we ran out of time. Yeah, dolphin plants. They're a little succulent, and they are so, so cute. Right. They actually look like little, you know, jumping flippers. Little baby dolphins. They do, jumping out of the water. And being a succulent, really easy to look after. So it's actually called Senecio peregrinus. Uh, and it is uh, this uh, new hybrid of a couple of different uh, succulents together. And this funny-looking dolphin plant came out. Now, it looks like the... You know, like you see the dolphin going through the waves. It's yep. sort of curled over and then out the top of it, the little fins there and it, it sort of tapers off at the front. So it looks like it's a little snout and it looks like it's a little fin at the top. And oh, look, it hasn't got the, the thing at the back that goes... The tail. The tail. No, it hasn't yep. got the tail, but it still looks really good. And there's so many leaves on each, like, uh, you know, branch that it looks like a little pod of dolphins coming out of the water. All right. Yeah, really beautiful plant. Easy I to look after. I thought you were going to say they like they were jumping through hoops, but... That might be too. That might be a bit too, too much. much. Yeah, a bit too much. Yeah, uh, I'd like to say that they were grown up in Sea World as well, but that's probably going to be too far as well. A little bit too far. A little bit too far. But uh, uh, look, very easy to look after. Of course, they'll grow out in the full sun. Succulents will handle a little bit of shade as well. Uh, look, indoors, maybe not. Uh, you know, that lack of sunlight, uh, they start to rot off, and uh, they probably lose their shape as well because they start to stretch out for the light. So, uh, look, a really beautiful little plant. Uh, dolphin um, succulent. Excellent. Yeah, really good plant. Better than the the Latin name for it, though. Yes, I could say it again if you'd like. Oh, no, it's a fine. Okay. I like the dolphin plant. Okay. It rolls, rolls with the tongue <laughs> a lot better. It does, doesn't it? Then we've got Sue from Cardiff, and she's got a question about the grapefruit tree. Hello, Sue. How can we help you? Hello, Scott. How are you? Yeah, very well. Very well. That's, that's good. Scott, I have a grapefruit tree and a lemon tree that, that are planted to about two metres apart, mm -hmm. and they have been pr prolific fruit bearers, always. Now, this year, I have plenty of lemons, not one grapefruit. Oh, that's a difficult one, especially when they're <laughs> so close together, and you've been fertilising them exactly the same? Yes. 
Yeah. Yes, exactly the same, yes. Oh. Yeah, lemon tree, no problem. I must have about uh, 30, 40 lemons on that. Do you keep keep and them pruned down to a certain shape? I mean, you said they're only two metres yes. apart, so... Yes, I do. I keep them fairly small. Yeah. But last year, I didn't cut them back at all because they didn't grow very much. So last year, I just let them grow. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and the lemon tree is going very, very well, but the grapefruit, not one, not one grapefruit. Yeah, well, look, that, that shouldn't stop you getting fruit on the grapefruit. Often, they'll, you know, the, the plants will, uh, the citrus plants will fruit on the new growth. Uh, but look, that that shouldn't have stopped you know the the no, grapefruit growing no, and you're getting some fruit. Either. Yeah, look, all I can put it down to is some, sometimes plants do fruit and flower, flower and fruit, and sometimes they they don't, and often that can be because of the weather. But it's like it's extremely odd that you know they'd be very very close together and not yeah. uh, you know you get none. But I reckon you'll get a bumper crop off it uh, this year, this coming year. So all will be well. All right. Yep, that's okay. it. Yep, cross fingers. Keep on doing what you've been doing, watering, fertilizing. Yeah. And uh, maybe even give it a light prune back. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, I, I think it'll just bounce back and you'll be, you have a, a bumper crop. Okay. Okay. All right, we'll take my fingers crossed. Thank you very <laughs> Sorry, much. Sorry, can't give you any more than that, Sue. That's all right. Okay. Thanks. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. And we've got Kathy from Blackalls Park. She's got a question about hibiscus. Good afternoon, Kathy. How can we help you with your hibiscus? Hello, Kathy. How can we help you? Oh, hello. Um, I've got some questions about um, hibiscus and azaleas, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Scott. Um, I've got hibiscus. Now, it's a, I don't know if it's a new one out. It's called Ruby Flake. It's red yes. and green-leafed at the same time, and it gets a red flower on it. Right, okay. And um, it doesn't cope with winter. <laughs> Look, it's I... awful. It nearly died on me last year. Oh, I've got no. two of them. And, um, it was, well, I thought last year was quite cold, but the smaller one, I don't know how it hung on. <laughs> and I wondered if there's any way I can protect them from the cold. Yes, you can. And I, look, the other thing I think hibiscus don't like are the cold winds as well in winter. Uh, they certainly don't like the westerly winds and uh, those, those cold subtleties that we get as well. Uh, yes, you can protect them. How big are the plants now? Nearly, nearly as high as a six-foot fence, and the other one's tiny. The, the other one's not growing at all like, at the same speed. Okay. Look, my, my suggestion to you is, if you know that we're going to have you know, a particularly cold night where there might be a frost or something going to settle, uh, or you know there's going to be a lot of wind about, uh, just grab an old sheet and just take it out there and carefully toss it over the top of the plant. Uh, and leave that on until, you know, 8, 9 o'clock in the morning and then you can pull that off and let it have the sunlight for the rest of the day. Uh, but that, that's the thing to do to try and protect it, to pr- try and stop that cold settling on the plant or the uh, the wind actually blowing against the leaves and burning it. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, they're lovely hibiscus, really unusual, but if I've got to struggle with them every <laughs> winter, it's a, a bit of a chore. Well, look, and that's why that's why they grow in tropical areas. But, uh, look, they'll do very well in summer here for us. But it is just getting them uh, established and getting them through those winter months. Uh, you, the other thing you can do is after, uh, you know, winter and about August, you can give it a light prune back as well to get some new growth coming onto the plant as well. They also love cow manure, so if you need to give them a feed, uh, I've give them that, yeah, yeah. cow manure a couple of times a year. But, yeah, look, I'll, I'll just go and... Um, you know, sort of rustle through the uh, the uh, what do you call the linen cabinet and uh, get some uh, you know a couple of old sheets, double sheets, and just toss them over just to give it some protection. 
Okay. The big one I've got facing east and yep. it's loving it. And the smaller one I've put out the front facing west. Mm-hmm. Have I got it in the wrong spot? Uh, look, it, it's probably just a touch hot for it there um, with the full sun on it in the afternoon. Uh, it, look, it will come good. They do grow out in the full sun. It will come good for you, but it's just going to be a little bit slower to, to get up there and running for you. Okay, thank you. That's all the right. other question I've got is azaleas. It's got all, I don't know, the leaves are feral. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. And is there any way I can treat that? Because um, either I'm going to pull them out, they're huge, mm-hmm. great big azaleas, if they're huge. We live in a unit and we've got this tiny little garden with the most lovely garden. But my azaleas have gone down in t- right form. <laughs> so have, have, they got, have they got that silvery look to the leaf? Yes, yeah, ghastly. Yeah, so look, that's called red spider. It's a mite that gets on azaleas and especially attacks the new growth. Uh, once it's damaged like that, the only thing you can do is prune it off. Be careful about pruning azaleas that you don't prune them too heavily, just a sort of a light shave over the top to get that new growth generating. And then you have to uh, try, spray to try and keep that uh, red spider under control. Uh, what you can use is eco oil. You can use that as a preventative spray. Oil. Yes, okay. and look, there are other uh, chemicals out there, sort of more harsher chemicals that you can use to actually keep uh, those mites under control. So you'd have to find some sort of miticide at your local garden centre, but right. I'd, re- I'd recommend using eco oil just at least as a preventative, and you can use that every week or so if you want to. Okay, then. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Red spider is a problem with azaleas, but uh, it, it can be is controlled. because of the humidity? It is. They're just little windborne insects. It's not your fault. They just get blown around. They land. They love azaleas. They just proliferate on azaleas, and they do a lot of damage to them. I'm very tempted, even though they're big, is to pull them out <laughs> and start again. Yeah, I'd, look, I'd just give a light prune back and uh, see how you go. See how it goes. Yeah. Okay, then. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks for that, Cathy. Bye. Bye. Dear, thanks, Kathy. We've got Cole now from Saltash, and he's got a question about citrus. Yeah. Cole, how can we help you? Uh, g'day, Scott. Um, I've got a ruby grapefruit, and uh, it's got a, a lot of um, uh, that uh, water shoots. Oh, yes, that yes. Have been, that have been affected by the um, leaf miner. Yes. So when's about the best time to shorten that back up to so that the, you know, get the new growth in the spring and that? Uh, look, I would wait until mid-August. That said, with most citrus, you can give them a light prune back and you'll get new growth coming through anyway. So if you wanted to, you could tidy it up now. I'm only talking very lightly and you'd right. find that you will get some new growth uh, at least hardened up before June and July yeah. when it gets cold again. Right, okay. Good. The other thing I was listening to your compost lady a minute ago. Yes, have you got some uh, advice for us? A couple of tips there is uh, shred your papers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shred your papers, just carbon, go straight back in. Mm -hmm. And the other is a a really, really great one, and that is grow a comfrey plant and cut the leaves up and put in there. Okay, so comfrey really works. Yep, it's an accelerator. Okay, excellent. Thank you for that advice. Okay, Okay, appreciate it, Cole. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, bye. What, what if you get your uh, news online rather than in the newspaper, though? What are you going to do? Oh, you'd have to print it out and shred it. And shred it or just toss your iPad in there every now and again. And... <laughs> it's just, it's, well, if you've got an upgrade, you can just toss your iPad in. That's the way to go. That's the way to Next go. Next, get a bigger one. Yeah. Exactly. I don't think that's going to work. Though. I don't think so either. Newspapers almost a thing of the past, but they're still out there. Well, you get the local one. 
Yes, true. That's true. Yeah. The free one. Yeah, get the free one. Read it and then shred it. Shred it. The compost. Exactly. Very We've good. got Steve now from East Maitland. He's got a question about spider lilies. Hey, Steve, how can we help you? Uh, well, mate, I bought a spider lily about five years ago, yeah. and it wasn't big enough, obviously, when I planted it to flower the first year, but yeah. it flowered the next two years. But for the last two years, it hasn't flowered at all, but it's still green and it's probably about three foot high. Or, yeah, so you, uh, you've, got it, the, you've got the big thick leaf one, have you? Yeah. Yeah. Mate, I, I've got them at home. I've got the, the thinner leaf one that looks a bit like an agapanthus. I've only had two flowers out of it this year. I think it's just been dry. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you think it's the weather conditions? I certainly do. Mine haven't even grown into plants very well this year. It's sort of just one or two leaves have come out of the ground. Uh, and, and, and I think that's all it is. It's just been too dry for them. I, I was happy to see two flowers, and I, that's all I'm going to get this year. Because I uh, osmocate them and put sea salt on them like every three weeks or yeah, so. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's all good. I, I really just think it, it's just been the, the heat and uh, lack, of, lack of water. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, mate. Thanks okay. for that. Thank, thanks for that. Catch you later. See you, Steve. Cheers. It's Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. I just thought of another bit of paper, wrapping paper. Oh, wrapping paper, of course. Yeah, so you've got yeah. your bit after Christmas. Yeah, fish and chips. Fish and chips. Perfect. When you get two bits of paper from that as well. Yeah, yeah. You used to get it at the butcher's apparently as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. that old butcher's paper. Yeah. Plenty yeah. of options. There are now, but yeah, plastic bags, we no. don't like them. I go back to the old days of paper. Paper bags at the, uh, at the supermarket. supermarket. Yeah. yeah. But guy at the end putting it all in. Yeah, it all worked a treat. <laughs> it's cutting talk back on to when you are FM. We've got Julie from Brula Dealer, and she's got a question about peach trees and raspberries. Hello, Julie. How can we help you? Hello. Um, yes, thank you. Um, the raspberry plants I put in this year, some of them are autumn and some are summer. Um, they've got multiple canes. I haven't had any fruit on them this year. Yes. Um, do I prune them? all those new canes back or just do I tie them and leave them? I'd tie them and leave them for next year now and that's when you should get the uh, the fruiting coming out. Right, thank you. That's all right. Um, the second question, the peach trees, they seem to have still relief. Uh, would that be the red spider affecting them as well? Uh, look, it, it could be. Peaches actually are susceptible to mites and and you'll see them where they get a, like almost a little puckering and a curling up of the leaf. So it, that's entirely possible. Uh, I would definitely use eco oil on your peach tree. Uh, there are other miticides available. If you were going to use them, you'd have to be, you know, ask the advice of your local garden centre and make sure that they can be used on edible plants. Uh, that's why I like the eco oil because it uh, it works as a miticide, as a preventative. But uh, it's you can you can eat the uh, the fruit off it. It doesn't actually get absorbed into the plant in any way. Yes, I grow, only grow organic, so yeah. I wouldn't be bothered with anything else. But yeah. thank you, and you use the oil. Yes, thank you very much. Okay, thanks for that, Julie. Have a nice afternoon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Then we've got Phil from Singleton, and he needs some advice about growing a hedge from cuttings. Hey, Phil. Yeah, that's right. That's right, mate. What, what, what do you think about doing? Well, to buy them, they're really expensive. And I bought this one, and it's great. I put in a big, great big pot full of uh, potting mix. And yep. It's growing like mad. I want to take cuttings off it and get little plants so it doesn't cost me so much. Yeah, sure. And, I mean, the trouble with uh, hedging as well, you need so many to... That's you know, it. almost per metre to, to fill it in. I mean, the only trouble is you're going to be waiting a little bit of extra time, but um, if you've got plenty of that, then that's fine. Save some money. 
Yeah, well, that's the word, yeah. yeah. So, look, yes, you can certainly do that. Uh, I was going to suggest, uh, you know, a couple of different plants you might use, like lily pillies or marayas, uh, because right. they're quick growing and they work really well from cuttings. Uh, you could do Japanese box as well. Do you know what I the think one? That might be what it is. Yeah. Japanese okay. Yeah. Box. So you can use Japanese box, and the trouble with that, you have to plant about three per meter to to sort of get a decent hedge in a decent time. So if you can get some cuttings up and you know struck. Uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be a fine way to go. So you need to get some uh, some rooting powder, which is yeah. uh, propagation powder, and you just stick it in there and off it goes. And you need to get some propagation mix as well to help that along. You don't have to strip most of the leaves off the stem and all that sort yeah. of thing. So you do. You try and take your cuttings from you know where they're you know up the top of the plant, just where they're starting to sort of harden off a little bit. And then you take, uh, you know, strip some of those bottom leaves off that cutting so you've got a little bit you can poke into the soil. Yeah, right. right. And uh, off you go from there. Now, because you're doing multiple plants, rather than doing it in like one big pot or in a a tray, you might be uh, better to, you know, get lots of little pots or, you know, some old seedling cells so that once it's actually struck, uh, you can divide them and plant them rather than having to try and tease them apart where you might damage them a little bit more. Okay, well, thanks for that. Okay, but mate. lily pillies to go, it's a quick grower, is it? It, it certainly is. It's a quicker growing. How tall do you want it to get as well? Oh, I only want it to go knee high. Oh, think. okay. Well, look, mate, I'll, I'll just stick with your, uh, your buxes then in that case. Yeah. Yeah, okay. lily, lily pillies will get, uh, you know, three metres tall. So I'd, I'd stick with your buxes. Okay. Well, thanks very okay. much for that. That's right, mate. I'll certainly handle the cold up at Singleton as well. Okay. Okay. Right. Good Thank on you, mate. Much. Thank you. Bye. Well, we've got Wendy now from Oyster Cove. She's got a question about a native tree. Yeah, hello. Hey, Wendy, how can we help you? Um, it's a potosperm. Yes. Uh, I thought you'd know straight away. Um, it's only a small one and it's just not sort of... I know you can't put any sort of fertiliser, like all kinds on it. Mm-hmm. You can put blood and bone, which I have, but I just wondered if there's anything else I can do to it on a bit it's not growing very fast yeah look that, that that's all about all you can use blood and bone you can go and buy native uh you know specific fertilizers but if you've got some blood and bone you might as well keep on using that uh, where have you got it in the ground in a pot yeah it's in the ground it's just right out away from the other stuff where you throw other fertilizers on you know yeah and, okay and um, yeah, it's just in our sandy soil out there. I've put a bit of manure around, oh, only cow manure. Yeah. That won't hurt it, will it? Uh, look, if you overuse it, it would, but uh, as, oh, long I as, haven't. Yeah, as long as you're careful, and uh, especially up there in Oyster Cove, where, you know, like you said, it is very sandy, it's just going to run through the soil anyway. Uh, look, yeah. I'd, I'd get some mulch, mulch around the top, and let that uh, break down into the soil over time and, and keep on using the blood and bone, and of course, plenty of water. That's, uh, that's as you probably oh, they know. they do I, need plenty of water, do they? Well, well, they do to get established for that, mm. you know, that first period of time they do, and especially in your conditions where it is very sandy and, as you know, the water just runs straight down through yes. it. Mm. So, yeah, look, I'd definitely be uh, watering uh, a lot. Uh, a bit more yeah, and, yeah. yes, putting the blood and bone, which you'd have to put it on fairly often, I suppose, with your watering a fair bit. Yeah, the thing with blood and bone is also don't sort of lump it around. Um, it's, if it gets too thick, it seems to, you know, go a bit uh, crusty. And, and doesn't break down very well. I always just think a, a light sprinkling over the soil more often and mm. letting that guy go down into the soil rather than, uh, you know, putting a big chunk of it on there. And that just doesn't seem to work then. Oh, how often would you do it? Oh, look, if you're just doing that light dusting, you could do it every couple of weeks if you wanted to. Oh, okay. Yeah, blood and bones are very, very safe fertiliser to use. Yes. Oh, that's good. Thank you very much. Okay, well, well good luck okay. with it. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
Cheers, thanks, Wendy. We've got Peter now from Pelican, and he's got a question about rose trees. What a wonderful bird is the pelican. How can we help, help you, Peter? Uh, good day, Scott. How are you going? Good, good. Uh, mate, um, I've just built a um, picket, white picket fence out the front, and the wife wants uh, rose trees um, behind it. Perfect, yes. Um, now, what's the best thought? And she wants red rose trees. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd like the rose trees to grow up to about a metre, metre and a half. Yep. Um, what's the best type? Uh, look, there's lots of different uh, red roses. So are you going to get them as a bush rose or a standardised rose? And that's where it's sort of, you know, it's pre-put up on the, on the stem and you've got the ball at the top of the stem. Had you thought about that that sort of uh, plant before? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So, you, yeah. You, yeah, look, you can get those. Uh, Cardinal's a very nice red rose. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, there's, of course, Mr. Lincoln, which is a very, very uh, fragrant red rose. Now, the trouble with those, though, is, is that they will sort of, you know, shoot off to the heavens, so you'll be out there pruning it just to try and keep it under control. Yeah. Uh, but most red roses will do that, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. I think that's why uh, you see, uh, you know, the standard icebergs being used as a, as a standardised plant because they'd stay that nice compact shape as a floribunda. Right. Uh, and that's why you see other roses, you know, the thorny roses being used uh, just as a normal bush rose because they do get a bit tall and sort of head for the sky. But that's, right. not, that's not to say you can't keep standardised roses looking, uh, red roses looking very nice. Uh, yep. It's just a little bit extra pruning for you. Yep. Cardinal or Mr. Lincoln? Yeah, very, both very good roses, uh, mate. And, of course, out of Pelican, uh, sandy soil, so just make sure you're uh, giving it plenty of poultry manure. Um, I definitely will. Yep, okay. Okay. Okay, good on you, Peter. Thank you. Thanks very much. Okay. Bye. It's Guarding Talk back on 2NURFM. Scott Shutt, we're nearly out of an out of an hour. Or we're coming up to the end of the hour. Dear me, I, that's just sneaked up on me then. I didn't even realise that at all. I gave you a bit of a shock. You did. It was like an electric <laughs> lightning bolt from the sky. Uh, I, I didn't realise that at all. It's flown by. It has. Another week flown by once again. It but has. before you do go, you had a couple more plants you mentioned earlier. Yes, there was Diplodenia citrine. Uh, now, it looks like a, a bit like an alamander, which is a very beautiful, bright yellow climbing plant. Yep. Uh, they don't do too well here in Newcastle in the winter. Uh, the Diplodenia will do a lot better. It's a little bit more compact as well. Uh, so it, it is a climber, a semi-climber, or if you just keep it as a little shrub, it'll only get to about 50 centimetres high. Uh, again, really bright uh, yellow flowers on it. That's Diplodenia citrine. Uh, look, I guess if you're up the valley somewhere, probably not going to do as well either because uh, they are a little bit... Um, Frost intolerant, uh, full sun to partial shade, but certainly down here around Newcastle, uh, you know, up to Curry, Cessnock, that area, they'll do very, very well during the winter for you. Excellent, fine. Scott Sharp, thank you very much. Okay, thank you. I'll catch you next week. Next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.